0: Well, it's so great to see all of you here this morning. Uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, I sure love your pastor. Uh, I love Chris and, and Karen, and their sweet family, and um, just continue to pray for your pastor. Keep loving him and encouraging him, supporting him. Uh, I love how he really studies the Word, and I wish I could hear him preach every week. I'm sure it's amazing. So you're really blessed. This morning, my devotional time, I just wanted to share this with you real quick. Uh, I was reading part of Psalm 50, and in verse 23, the first part of it says this, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me, as glorifies the Lord. And so it's so encouraging to hear you thanking the Lord for the fathers and for your husbands that you have. And, and that glorifies the Lord when we do that. And uh, that just encouraged my heart this morning. I was just, of course, thinking, thinking of my dad and thinking of others and thanking, thankful for my wife and uh, just so many things. When we begin to give thanksgiving, it glorifies the Lord because he's the giver of those blessings. And so I just encourage you, maybe today, take some time and think about that. And Lord, just be, you would be overwhelmed with the, this, the spirit of gratitude and how that, that's a sacrifice of thanksgiving and honors the Lord. So I want to read to you, if you will, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. I want to read the passage this morning, then we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. When Chris and I first talked about being here today, I, I wanted, uh, or just a few weeks ago when we were talking um, I wanted to stay in the series that you were already in. And so uh, we talked about being in this section of Galatians chapter 5. And um, we're gonna, I'm going to read verses uh, 16 through 26 this morning. Uh, Galatians 5:16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other Will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you've uh, revealed yourself in your word. And Lord, all of us need to hear from you this morning. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would just teach us this morning, make your your word so clear to us and so applicable. Lord, show us how we need to apply it to our lives. Uh, Convict us, Father, of areas that are not pleasing to you. And uh, may we get right with you and be quick to confess it and get in line with you so that we can keep in step with the holy spirit and the work he is doing in our life we thank you for our lord jesus may the lord jesus be lifted high today and father we want to have just a sacrifice of thanksgiving all day today we want to be so grateful for who you are first that you've created us that you've sent jesus you've saved us you've given us new life lord we're grateful people and we're grateful to be here today and we're grateful for pastor chris and his family We pray you'd encourage them today. We pray you'd give them rest. We pray you'd uh, just bless their time away. May you come back so refreshed and encouraged, Lord, and with even more energy to do the work you've called them to do. And we give our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was called the Fight of the Century, also known as The Fight. This was back in 1971, March the 8th. And I'm talking about the boxing match between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. And some, some of you remember that, and I was born in 1976. I don't, I don't quite remember that, but uh, I understand it was just an incredible, this was like the boxing match of the century. And uh, what was interesting is, leading up to this, both fighters were undefeated. Uh, and you would wonder, I, I, how could they both be undefeated? Well, if you remember, Muhammad Ali had won the title back in 1964. He beat Sonny Liston, and, and that was quite a surprise. And so he was the the, the heavyweight champion, for about three years. But then when he refused to fight in the U.S. Army, he, uh, they stripped him of his title. And so uh, he was no longer in the world of boxing. He had to take a step away for about three years. And so during that time while he was away, here comes Joe Frazier. And Joe Frazier worked his way up and eventually became the champion. Well, when Muhammad Ali was reinstated in 1970, uh, he immediately signed a contract to fight Joe Frazier, and so, so there was all this hype leading up, two undefeated guys leading up to this, this bout in March of 1971 in, in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Over 20,000 people filed in the, 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 the garden that day for this fight. And now if you were, uh, you remember, this was the Vietnam War era, so it was a turbulent time in U.S. history. And if, if you were for the war and for the establishment and you were conservative, your fighter was Joe Frazier. And if you were against the war, and you were the left-wing anti-establishment, your fighter was Muhammad Ali. So there was a lot going on. There was a lot of tension going on in this fight. And so the, the celebrities were there, and, and and the ringside seats were were sold, and, and um, the fight began, and Muhammad Ali just really dominated the first three rounds. Uh, but, but then in the fourth round, things began to change, and, and Frazier came on stronger, and and eventually, in round 15, it went all 15 rounds, but Frazier won by a unanimous decision. He, he won the fight. And this would, of course, be the first of three fights between the two men. And it would end up in 1975 in, in Manila in the Philippines. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the fight. And not, not, not this fight, but the fight that goes on inside of us every day as a Christian. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the fight between the flesh... And the Holy Spirit. Now we just we just read, it says just three times in the first verse or two that the flesh and the spirit they are against each other. They are against each other. And there is this inner fight going on in our lives. And the the Holy Spirit will lead us. We feel, man, God's leading me to do this. And then the flesh rears its its ugly head and says, No, I'd rather do this. And there's just this battle going on every single day. Now, if you're not a Christian, there is no battle. You think, man, you're just enslaved to desires so and you do what you want. But when you become a Christian, that's when the battle begins. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How in the midst of that battle, how do we live a life that honors God? How do we live in, in a way? How do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? How do we live a life that's pleasing to him? Because because I, I want to have this fruit in my life. And I know you do, too. But how, how, how does that how does that happen? So that's what we're going to talk about. The Christian life is a life of freedom. Uh, it's free from condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says that. It's free from having to perform to please God because God's already satisfied with the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's a life of freedom. And, and Paul said that at the beginning of this chapter. I know Pastor Chris has already covered this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And then he says later in, ch- in chapter 5, in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, don't use your freedom to gratify your fleshly desires, but use your freedom to serve others, to be involved in the lives of others and showing the love of Jesus to others. And so now he's going to talk about what does this life of freedom look like? How do we live that life of freedom? Because we all want it, and so how do we carry it out? So he says, well, you do it. He says first, but I say walk by the Spirit. Now walk is a, is a present tense command. And it just means continue, continue to walk. Keep walking. Just, just take that step by step. Just keep walking. Now, the Christian life is seen as a walk. Just, it's just day by day, step by step, we keep making progress and keep growing and becoming more like Jesus. Just, just walk. Walk by the Spirit. Don't walk by the flesh. Walk by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. It means to live in moment by moment dependence. Upon the Lord. Walk by the Spirit. And then he says this, um, now if you're not walking by the Spirit, who are you walking by? You're walking by the flesh. Now let's just be real clear. The flesh, for purposes, uh, so you understand that we understand the passage, the flesh is talking about this power inside of us that opposes God. This power inside of us that opposes God. Now, I'm talking about our sinful nature. It might be another way to to, to phrase it. Not not our humanity. There's nothing inherently sinful about our humanity. Jesus was human, fully human, fully God, and yet he was not sinful. So just because we're human doesn't mean there's not necessarily anything sinful about being human. Remember, there was a time Adam was was fully human. There was a time he was not sinful, Adam and Eve. So the the sin, uh, we are born in sin now because we've inherited a sinful nature. But I'm talking about the sinful nature, that inner force that opposes God. You know, David said in Psalm 51, I was conceived in iniquity, that I was was born in sin. And because of that, we're declared guilty before God, and we need God to redeem us. And that's why Jesus came. So I'm talking about this inner inner force within us. So if we either obey this inner wicked force, uh, the flesh, or we obey the Holy Spirit. And so... um, the good news is that this inner force is not, it's not undefeated. It's not, it's not, it does not have to dictate. It does not have authority over us anymore as a child of God. And that's what we're going we're to see. So there, we can be encouraged this morning. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not. That's the strongest negative terminology you could have in the Greek language. You will not. You will absolutely not gratify. That is, That word means to complete. See, the sinful nature has an agenda. It wants to destroy your life. It will not gratify. It it, it wants to bring to completion destruction in your life and in my life. So he says, when you walk by the Spirit, you'll not complete. You'll not fulfill. You'll not carry out the agenda of the flesh. The flesh will tempt you and say, oh, if you'll just do a little bit of this, you'll have a little bit of that. You will be so fulfilled. You will be so gratified. You will be so encouraged And we both know it's a lie. And we're never fulfilled. In fact, we just got to have more. And it it just leads to misery. And and, and it leads to bondage. So he says, but if you walk by the Spirit, you yield to the Spirit, you obey the Holy Spirit, says you will not gratify, you will not fulfill, you will not carry to completion the desires of the flesh. Now this word for desires here, it means to long for. So our our sinful, that, uh, that inner force, Longs for things that are in, opposed to the will of God, and that word for for longs for desires is used in Matthew five twenty eight when Jesus said, "When a man looks at a woman with lustful intent, that's the same word desires, lustful intent. He might he, he he's committed adultery with her." Matthew five twenty eight. So that word lustful intent, those strong desires. That, that that's the word here, the desires these. These lustful desires of the flesh. And it's not just sexual in nature. It can be a lot of different things, as we'll see. And um, in talking about these two forces, Martin Luther called them the two captains. He said, there be two contrary captains in you, the spirit and the flesh. These two captains that are trying to, trying to coexist together. And uh, Luther also wrote this. He said, uh, the flesh cannot be eradicated, but it can be bridled. That's, that's an encouraging word. It can't be eradicated because it's going to be with us until we go to be with Jesus or until t- he returns. But it can be bridal. That is, it can be put under control. It does not just have to have free reign in our life so that we just live in bondage or live in defeat. So the first point this morning, um, or let me, let me first read verse 17, then I'll give you the first point. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. So here's this fight. Here's this battle that we're talking about. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so here, here's the first point this morning. The life of freedom, that's what we're talking about today. This life of freedom, the Christian life is a life of freedom. is not free from spiritual struggle. The life of freedom is not free from spiritual struggle. That is, you and I are going to have a daily battle, a daily battle with this inner force of the, the sinful flesh. And... Um, You know, there's some days it's easier than others, isn't it? There's some times of the day that's easier than others. Man, when I'm if I'm in my office alone and reading the Bible and praying, hey, I I feel pretty good. That 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 battle may not be as strong, but this past week my wife was away for a few days, so I had the kids all to myself for for a few days, two days particular. it it drove me crazy. That that inner battle, that impatience and all those things just rares that flesh rears its ugly head. And it's a whole lot easier. When, when in certain times, and and uh, when the pressure's not on, when the finances are good, and when the job's good, man, it's it's a whole lot easier, isn't it? But you you and I both know when life gets tough, that's when the flesh wants to rear its head. And so I'm not having my way, or or I need I should I deserve this, and the flesh will just rear up. You guys probably know of the, the guy named the Dog Whisperer, Caesar Milan. Have you heard of Caesar Milan? So he, he, they call him the Dog Whisperer. He will come in, and if you're having problems, man, he will whip that dog into shape. And, and, uh, but there's one, there's one episode called Caesar's Toughest Cases. And he, and he goes to, to homes where you have these, these wild dogs, and he will, it shows him trying to get, get the dogs in shape. And So I, I watched one of the little episodes, just a few minutes, was on um, this bulldog named Jordan. Jordan was a crazy little bulldog. He was energetic just incredibly hyper, and it would show him uh, someone would like try to ride a skateboard by Jordan. And he would just go bananas, just barking. He would go and, and grab the skateboard and try to carry it off like it was it was his toy. Then it showed him Jordan uh, would go to this, um, uh, there was a water hose just, you know, with a sprinkler, water in the yard, and Jordan just grab grab onto that water hose and just puts it, shaking it back and forth, and water's going everywhere. Of course, the owner's probably embarrassed and, and trying to get control of the dog, and and then they showed a guy trying to bounce a basketball around Jordan. He was trying to bite at the ball, just annoy you to death. That, that was Jordan. So here comes Caesar. Here comes Caesar Milan. And, you know, what I, what I thought was funny is every single one of those things that I just mentioned, Caesar addressed every single one. So he, Caesar got a skateboard, and he has the dog on a leash there, and he's, trying to, he's just trying to ride the skateboard. And every time that dog comes over, he makes this noise. I don't know how he just makes this noise like he's correcting the dog. And if you watch, occasionally he'll, he'll kind of do this. He'll, he says he's not kicking, he's giving the dog a pat. And it's supposedly just a correct a corrective a, a disciplinary measure. But every single time the dog does that, he will do it. And so they did the skateboard, and he took the dog to the, to the water hose. And every time that dog goes to the water hose, he's just pulling him back. He's correcting him. He finally even tied the dog up to a tree. And every time the dog is lunging, just keeps lunging at this water hose, he's correcting him every single time. Then he does the same thing, uh, I believe he did the same thing with the basketball. I remember the first two for sure. And th- the whole point is, our sinful flesh is like Jordan, that we just keep, it will rear its ugly head and think, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And the Holy Spirit, we, but we have the power of the Spirit to look at the flesh and say, no, I'm going to obey Almighty God. I'm not giving into you. And so we just say, God, fill me with your Spirit. And we just, by the authority of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in me, I'm not given in to the desires of the flesh. But that flesh is like that crazy dog that will just keep jumping and going after it, going after it. And you're not having your way. And you ought to tell this person a piece of your mind. You ought to do this. And you ought to look at that. And that's what the flesh will do. But thankfully, we don't have to give in to that. Thankfully, we have the divine, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us who is stronger than the sinful flesh. And he can give us victory. And by the end of the show, I man, that dog was so much more under control, and so much more enjoyable. You, you—it's hard to enjoy a dog like that. You can't go anywhere. But this, when Caesar was done, that dog was much more under control. And that's with the Holy Spirit. When He works in us, He will change us, and and we almost become unrecognizable because God is just doing such a, incredible work in our life. Let's move on. Verse eighteen. He says, "But if you are led by the Spirit." You are not under the law. And so he's, Paul is, is, is assuming and basing this statement on truth that the Galatians are being led by the Spirit. And because they're being led by the Spirit, they're not under law. Paul had said earlier in chapter 2 and verse 19, he said, For through the law I died to the law, so that I may live to God. In other words, the law cannot redeem me. The law only revealed to me that I was a sinner. The law only kept me in bondage. But when I turn to Christ, I, 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 Christ redeemed me. So Christ freed me from the law. Christ freed me from having to keep all these rules because Christ kept the rules for me. And, and Christ paid my penalties. So now I'm, I'm free. And, um, and so now he's going to tell us, he said, now the works of the flesh are evident. And that word means to be clear, to be plainly seen. Uh, I mean, it, 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 you, you see it every week. You see it on TV. You see it everywhere. The works of the flesh I mean, they're they're not hidden. They're 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 in stores. They're in every it seems like every television show you turn on now. They're just works of the flesh, and they're, so they're, they're there. They're they're evident. They're clearly seen. And now he's going to give us not an exhaustive list, but he's going to give us a good representation of when we talk about works of the flesh. What are, what are we talking about? And and I'm just going to walk through word by word. I want you just to just to hang in there with me, and I'll, and just be asking prayerfully. Lord, which ones of these do I struggle with? Which ones of these are, you know, maybe it's a spouse or someone needs to speak into your life, but say, you know, Lord, which ones of these do you want to do a work in my heart about? Which ones of these are, have, have, I been, have been manifest in my life just even this past week? So first he mentions sexual immorality, and that, that's referring to any unlawful, sexual intercourse, intercourse. Any, any sex outside of marriage, premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual, anything outside of marriage between one man and one woman. That's what, he's, that's what this word means. So God designed marriage, God designed sex to be between one man and one woman who are married together. Anything outside of that is considered sexual immorality. So that's one work of the flesh. The next one, he says, impurity. Now, this word impurity refers to a state of moral corruption. It goes beyond um, just sexual morality. It goes beyond that, and it talks about um, moral evil as well. It, it refers to uh, one writer used it as a man who, who, um, who lied, who, who uses perjury against another man to injure him. Uh, the next one is called um, sensuality. Sensuality just refers to a lack of, of, of self-constraint. Um, and uh, one source said this, sensuality is vice that throws off all restraint and flaunts itself with no regard for public decency or for the feelings of others. That's, that's sensuality. It's, it's just the idea that, well, you know, I really care what you think. I, I, this is what I'm going to enjoy. This is what my flesh wants, and I'm just going to do it. That, that's just sensuality. There's no restraint, no, no, no public decency, no care for the feelings of others, sensuality. Do you see a pattern so far here? It's just, it's all about me. That's what the flesh is. How can I just satisfy my needs, my sexual needs, my desire for this, my desire to get ahead? It's all about, the flesh is all about me. How can I be number one? What, what can I do to, 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 to go beyond, above and beyond? The fourth and uh, fifth works are about a worship and a trust problem. He says the first, he said after sensuality, he lists idolatry. Now, this is, is, just means what it, exactly what it means. Uh, it means image worship. It means I'm going to worship a person. I'm going to worship a place. I'm going to worship something or someone else besides Almighty God, the only one who is deserving of our worship, our Creator. You remember Romans 1, it says those who suppress the truth so they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Romans 125. That's idolatry. That's image worship. We're worshiping something else besides God. And then it says um, sorcery. Sorcery. Sorcery uh, in, instead of this, this is talking about instead of, instead of looking to God and trusting God, it sorcery is said, I'm going to turn to the powers of evil and I'm going to trust them to, to meet my needs instead of God. Okay? Then uh, enmity. Enmity refers to underlying hostile sentiments and intentions towards someone else. Now, beginning with enmity, the next eight are going to talk about sins that disrupt the life of a community. Could be a church, could be some organization, could be your work office. But when these next eight are, when they are manifest, it just totally disrupts the unity of an organization, the unity of a community. So so enmity, when there's something hostile in our hearts toward another person, we begin to think about negative thoughts. We begin to have this hostility in our hearts toward someone else. That's enmity. We haven't, may, may not have said anything yet, but, th- but there's something going on. That's enmity. And uh, instead of seeing someone else as valuable and as created in the image of God, I begin to have these, these, these hurtful thoughts about them. And I begin to doubt. I begin to have hatred in my heart. Um, strife. Strife is uh, contention that divides people. Instead of harmony, there's, there's just contention between people. And that, that can happen in churches. Have you ever heard of a church that, that, that split? My home church split a number of years ago. And there was just, just contention. This, you had one you know, side that saw this, another side thought this, and there was contention involved there. And it's a sign that the flesh is in charge and not the Holy Spirit when that happens in a church. Next on the list is jealousy. Jealousy refers to intense negative feelings over someone else's achievements or success. You know, jealousy is really about the desire to glorify self. And when my when when I don't feel like I'm being you know uh, advanced enough, or I'm gonna I'm gonna get jealous of someone else. You know what? I really deserve that, not them. So I'm gonna get jealous. You know, they don't really deserve that car. You know, I I I should have that. I should have that position. That's jealousy. It's the it's a work of the flesh. And then he said Fit, fits of anger, fits of anger. This talks about these outbursts of anger that just come on someone else in an uncontrolled way. Now, I'm not talking about righteous anger. I'm just talking about this. It's just uncontrollable and, and for no apparent reason or for some, you know, a selfish reason. We just we just can't control ourselves. Um, Aristotle used this word uh, or rather the next word rivalries. Rivalry is, is also a, a pursuit of the sinful flesh. Aristotle used this word rivalries to talk about a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. In other words, I'm going to do whatever, if I need to break the law, I'll break the law, but I'm gonna, I want to get that office. I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's rivalries. You know, I'm going I'm to, uh, if I need to lie, if I need to steal, if I need, whatever it takes, This again, work of the flesh. After rivalries, uh, dissensions, and divisions. And um, again, this is just disruption into the harmony of a community. And uh, divisions refers to a group that, that holds a certain belief, but that belief is so strong that it's caused this party spirit. And this can happen in a church. And, and so because of that, this group believes this, and now they, th- they think, well, this, this idea is so important that I'm going to forget about the unity of the whole community, and I'm going to make this a hill on which to die. That can happen with music in a church. It can happen with a certain theological position in a church. You think, man, I've, you know, if they don't believe this way, then, then, then you know, they just really must not be saved. Or they just, maybe we shouldn't be in this church. And, and there's just division instead of unity, instead of harmony. And um, then he goes on to say, envy, uh, envy is wrong desires to have another's possessions. It's this just grudging spirit within us that says you can't stand to see someone else succeed. That's what envy is. Now, I know none of this is pleasant to talk about, but these are, these are our sinful nature. And these are things that, we, you know, if we're honest, we struggle with these things at times. And they, they, it, it just happens. And um, drunkenness, orgies, that just refers to seeking, trying to seek pleasure or fulfillment outside of the will of God. And he says, and things like these. In other words, there's more. There's more. There's, you can think of some I pray they are not mentioned here. But he says, you know, there, there's, there's others. There's things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before. Now, what, what's he talking about? We, we think he was talking about one of his missionary journeys when he would have orally warned them. So we don't have a record of it, but, but apparently when he was in, in, in person with them, he would have talked about some of these says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what what he's talking about is those who practice these things, those who make this a lifestyle. All these things we read doesn't mean that if you're a Christian and occasionally you struggle with one of these or even daily you struggle. But by the spirit, you give victory. He's saying those who continually, those who practice these things we just talked about says you will not inherit because you can't earn the kingdom of god you in, you inherit it through faith in christ will not inherit the kingdom of god see jesus is building a kingdom remember john eighteen thirty six. jesus said my kingdom is not from the world so jesus is coming back and he will establish his kingdom it's already begun when we place our faith in christ we're citizens of that kingdom and one day that'll be fully realized well there's good news because there's uh, fruit of the spirit here so you'd, you'd probably rather go ahead and talk about that Um, verse 22 says but the fruit of the spirit so there there, there's a contrast here so you have the works of the flesh but now here's what here's what your life looks like when the holy spirit is controlling you it's a totally different situation the fruit and then the word fruit is singular and and we think that it's singular because it's talking about the unite the unity of the character of jesus when when you and I place our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, He begins to produce this fruit in our life, and 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 so it's not just it's not fruits plural as if there's there, there's one there's one fruit, but it looks like a lot of different things. There's a lot of different components to it, and this is reveals the character of Christ. So He says the first fruit of the Spirit is love. This is that this is agape love, self-sacrificial love. You know the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Christian life is really a life of love, a love for God and a love for people. And so our life should be characterized by love. If if, if we're not loving, then something is wrong. The Holy Spirit is not in control of our life. And uh, 1 Timothy one five says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. One source wrote this, Love may be defined as giving oneself for others so that they are encouraged and strengthened to give themselves more fully to God. Now you see immediately the distinction here. The flesh was all about me, all about fulfilling my desires. And immediately the first fruit of the Spirit is about other people. It's about love. How how can I serve? How can I love God more? How can I love people more? How can I get involved in this ministry so I can serve somebody else? How can, I, how can I take a meal to somebody this week so I can encourage them? How can I pray for, for a certain person or go visit them in the hospital just so, so I can encourage them? That's, that's love. That's what Jesus did. Uh, the same term for love is used in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know, the love chapter. Where it talks about faith, hope, and love. It says the greatest of these is love. This is that self-sacrificial love. It, it characterizes our Lord Jesus. And um, when people are around you, do they... Since the love of God, are they? Are they? Do they think this man? This 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 person just has a love for people, and that's the love of Jesus that just changes us. And the next is joy, love, and joy. Now, joy is a deeply rooted gladness, regardless of circumstances, regardless of whatever's going on. We may not be happy about it, but there can be a deep seated joy, a joy that Jesus is in control. And I've seen this joy recently in one of our church members. Her name is Pat Green. Some of you may know Miss Pat. She um, has had um, some cancer. And, so, and I was with her right after she had a biopsy. And uh, there's just a joy in her heart because she loves Jesus. And, it, uh, you know, she's not happy about the situation. There's treatment, things she's got to go through. But there is a joy because she knows God is in control. And she's walking with him in the midst of this. And he's walking with her. And, and I saw her at church the other night. Just There's just a real joy in her heart. And it could only come through, through, through Jesus. And after he, he mentions joy, he mentions um, peace. Oh, peace. Peace refers to this inner quietness. No matter what's going on, there's, there's peace. And there's a verse I read in my quiet time this week. And uh, you know this verse well. In John 14, 27. And uh, this verse so encouraged me this week. Jesus says to his disciples, prior to the crucifixion, he said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, our hearts are prone to fear. We get, fe- we get fearful of all kinds of things. I get fearful, but he says, Jesus says, my peace. In other words, the world offers a peace, but it's not the peace of Jesus. So the peace of Jesus can come in your life, and no matter what's going on, he can give you that peace And your heart can be still and quiet before him. And that can only happen through Jesus. We can seek that so many different ways, but the peace of Jesus will only come from him. Next, he says, um, uh, you've probably heard someone say that. Well, I just have have a peace about it. I just, you know, God's given me a peace about it. that's, That's what he can do. Next is patience. Patience, let's talk about a state of being in which you are steadfast in the midst of aggravation, or frustration. Just, there's just man, there's, everybody said, man, you just seem so patient. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit just working in you, just giving you a state, of, uh, a state of being in which you're not aggravated, you're not frustrated. This same term is used of our Lord, uh, Almighty God, and as Exodus 34, 6, when it says the Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is slow to anger. God will produce that same fruit in our lives. we will be slow to anger when, when, we, when we yield to the Holy Spirit. Next is kindness. Kindness is, refers to being beneficial or helpful to someone. That, I mean, that is the Christian life right there. How can I be beneficial or helpful to someone else? That, that, that's a great prayer for us in the morning before we leave home, just, or whatever we're doing that day. So, Lord, help me to be beneficial and helpful to someone else today. And that way we just go just looking. Well, how can I encourage someone? How can I, how can I minister to someone? And um, kindness. Kindness. Uh, it's used for God in, in Romans 2, 4, where it says that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So God was kind with us. That same kindness can be demonstrated in our life. Dr. Jerry Vines was a longtime uh, pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville and a couple other churches as well. He, he, he said this one time, a Christian never has a right to be unkind. Isn't that good? A Christian never has a right to be unkind. Yeah, we can get angry about certain things, but uh, we never have a right to be unkind. Goodness is the next one. Goodness uh, can also mean generosity. It can also mean gentleness. Um, it's used, The adjectival form is used in Matthew 20, verse 15, and it's translated generous. Uh, but, but probably here in the context, goodness is, is, uh, is obviously a better translation. So goodness, um, faithfulness. Faithfulness has a two-pronged meaning. Uh, the first, it means to have a measure of faith that it takes to trust God to accomplish something for him. So some of you may feel like, man, God's leading me. God's put this ministry on my heart. God's put this dream on my heart, but I don't really know how to do it. I don't really know what the next step is. And it takes a measure of faith to trust God that he's going to carry you through. And so, so, so God can, the Holy Spirit gives you that measure of faith, faithfulness. But it also talks about our part in being faithful to God and our service to him. You, you've, you've, you've said that. You probably say that about, about some of your own memories. You say, man, they're so faithful. You just mean they're, they're here every week. They're so faithful. They're so faithful in that ministry. Um, uh, there's, there's a couple, sweet couple here. There's Jack and Helga Hayes are so faithful in one of our ministries at, at the Lutz campus. And, and, and so he's, they're faithful to God and their service to him. And um, the last two he mentions are gentleness and self-control. And I like this definition of gentleness that I, that I, I ran across. Gentleness means the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Isn't that good? Uh, you know, in our sinful flesh will just puff us up to thinking we're really somebody. And, and you, we can't be gentle to other people because we see them as a threat, right? If you see someone as a threat, you're not going to be gentle. You're going to be harsh. You think, well, no, they may take my position or, or they, they, may, they may take advantage of me. But when we're so filled with Jesus and the character of Christ... We can be gentle because we're secure. That's what Jesus did in John 13. So he knew where he came from and knew where he was going, so he got down to serve his disciples and wash their feet. We, we can be, there's this gentleness. It's, you know, I'm not, I'm not impressed with who I am, so you know what? I, man, I'm, I'm submissive to authority. That's what gentleness means. I'm going to be considerate of other people. Uh, man, this—you know—all of this that we're talking about—that that has to be divine help. This—this this is not who we are naturally. We—I I, can't—you know—get up in the morning and think, you know, I'm just going to be gentle today, or I'm going to try to be more patient. Uh, it just—it doesn't work that way. It takes the Holy Spirit just infusing the character of Jesus inside of us. So, uh, gentleness and then self-control. Self-control talks about um, restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires. Um, it, it's talking about more than just sexual desire, but anger, you know, there's just, when there's self-control in our life, uh, and I would, I would say it includes eating, there's, there's things, you know, when the Holy Spirit's in control, there's times when we can just say, you know what, I, that's enough. You know, I don't have to have any more. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's restraint in our life. And so um, he says, against such things, against the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. And what he means is, you know, the law, the, the government can't come down and say, you know, um, they can't legislate this fruit in our lives. They, they can't pass a law to make me more patient. They, they, they can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in our life. And so um, he said, and then verse 24, "...and those who belong to Christ," that would be those who place their faith in Christ Jesus, "...have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires." And, you, and he, you have to go back. You, you, I know Pastor Chris has been leading you, so you know this verse. But you have to go back to Galatians 2 to realize what he's saying. Galatians 2 and verse 20 where Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. And so he he's uses the past tense verb in verse 24 of Galatians 5. And he's talking about when, that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, so was my flesh. So was that sinful, that opposing force in my heart. It was already nailed to the cross. And Jesus died, that, that, it means it lost all authority over me. And so the, it's, my sins have already been paid for. And so I don't have to live in fear of like, oh, I just can't quit doing this. Or I just can't quit, man, I'm just so impatient. And I, just, I keep getting angry and I have these outbursts of anger. Well, that has already been paid for on the cross. And so the, the good, that, that is the good news. We have been crucified with Christ. And so the, the, the solution is to say, God, just so fill me with your spirit. Control me. Everything I do today, just fill me with your spirit and with your love. And, and when that temptation comes, God, fill me, control me. May I not give in to that desire? May I remember that I've been crucified with Christ, that my flesh is, 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 is dead, it has no authority, has no say-so over me. That, that captain, when it wants to say, hey, you ought to do this, we say, no. No. I'm under the authority of the Holy Spirit. I'm not giving into that. We're, we're not going down that road again. We've been crucified with Christ, and so let me give you the second thing, and uh, we'll do the third quickly. Um, the second uh, point is this: the life of freedom uh, increasingly reflects the character of Christ. The life of freedom increasingly reflects the character of Christ. That is, we should be becoming more and more like Jesus. Every day, just, I mean, if you look back a year ago, Father's Day a year ago, you think, man, am I more like Jesus than I was a year ago? Am I more, these, 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 these fruit that we just looked at, am I, am I more kind than I was a year ago? Am I more patient than I was a year ago? Uh, and if not, then it's a, good, it's a good evaluation to say, why am I not more like Jesus do I need to just, I mean, my flesh has been crucified, but am I not submitting to the Holy Spirit? Am I quenching the Holy Spirit? That is, am I, am I resisting what he's trying to do in my life? And if so, then I need to confess that and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to I obey the Holy Spirit. I want to say yes when he tells me to do this. Um, they say that uh, sports teams will take on the personality of their head coach, and that probably applies to, to probably any sport. Um, but I used to love watching Phil Jackson coach basketball. He coached the, the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls before that. And uh, he just had this demeanor of, I got this. That's just kind of what he gave off. I don't know if you guys enjoyed watching him. But um, so his team's won 11 NBA championships. And he just always had, for the most part, I've seen him get excited at least once. But uh, for the most part, he has just had this calm demeanor just that, hey, everything's Okay. And what he would do during stretches of the game, if, if things were not going the way you know, that he wanted to for his team, um, some coaches, every time things start going wrong, they'll call a timeout. Or you know, Sometimes players will look at the bench like, come on, coach, bail us out of this. You know, call a timeout. And, and he, w- he, he wouldn't do it. A lot of times he would just let them go and, and, and let them figure it out, let them work through it. And he, what he was teaching them was, you don't have to depend on me for this. You've, you guys figure out how to work your way through this. And so they started learning, okay, I, I need to actually think for myself while I'm out here on the floor. And I also need to work, figure out how to work through opposition, how to work through tough times. And, and, it, and he was teaching them, don't be so dependent on me, but work as a team and figure it out for yourselves out there. And so he, all of his team, they seemed to have this methodical, just calm approach. And they learned that from him. And the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we obey the Holy Spirit. This fruit will become evident in our life. Just, we may not see it, but over time, you run into someone you haven't seen in a while, and they think, man, you're so different. I, you know, I man, I haven't seen you in years, but you just seem so patient. You just seem like, uh, man, you're just so kind. And, 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 you know, that's when we just think, man, that's the Holy Spirit. He's just, he's just working in my life. And so, um, let me give you the, the final two verses, real quick. He says, uh, if we live by the Spirit, uh, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so he's, 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 he's looking at the congregation and saying, um, you know, if, if we live by the Spirit, you know, like guys, Galatians, are you, you're doing this, right? I mean, you're, you are living by the Spirit, right? If we, if we live by the Spirit, uh, if, if we walk by the Spirit, if we obey the Spirit, then let's keep in step with Him. That is, the Holy Spirit is working. He's moving and um, Jesus said, my Father is at work. So, so God is working in our lives. The question is, are we keeping in step with him? Are we obeying him? Are we saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, just have your way in my life today? You know, I, I want to be about your business. I want to be about the will of God. You know, I want to keep in step with you. I want to keep up with you. I don't want to get behind. I don't want to get out of step. I don't want to get on this road over here when you're going this way. So just, I just need to keep up with you. I need to keep following you. And and I want to I want to I want to stay on, on on your path. And um, verse twenty eight or twenty six rather is what happens when we don't keep up with the spirit in in a church. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, we're going back to the flesh now. When the spirit's not in control, man, there's conceit. Conceit just talks about uh, it, it means to have an exaggerated self conception, to be boastful. It means I have this exaggerated view of of who I am and, 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 and for some reason I think I'm important and, and other people ought to think I'm important too. That's what it means to be conceited and and, and means to be falsely proud. and Provoke someone, it means just to irritate. And, and when that goes on in a church, that's not healthy. you got conceited people and people trying to irritate others and there's envy. Paul said, let's don't do that. Keep in step with the Spirit. Follow Him. Just, just keep, He's leading me this way, just keep, keep in step. Don't get off track. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Follow Him. Um, Martin Luther said this "Um, The flesh will resist and hinder us. In the midst of temptation, we must say, But I will obey the Spirit and not the flesh. That's what we say. Now, I'm not obeying this. I'm not obeying the flesh. Holy Spirit, I'm going to obey you. And so the the, the takeaway for us today is, is to follow the Spirit's leading in your life, in my life. Follow the Spirit's leading. Keep in step with Him. Our flesh has been crucified, so we don't have to give in to its, its evil desires. We have to st- just follow the Spirit. It's just a daily, hourly, you know, it just maybe on your lunch break, you need to kind of recalibrate. And you, think, you think through the morning, oh, well, Lord, you know, forgive me. I did this or I thought that. But, Lord, for the rest of the afternoon, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit and, and fill me with your Spirit. And, man, next thing you know, you look back in your day, you think, man, well, that was a really good day. Man, I, you know, that, I didn't do I didn't say that. I didn't think those things anymore. And God gave me strength to overcome that temptation. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you here this morning, you think, man, I, I'd love to follow the Holy Spirit, but, but I'm not a Christian. And um, but Galatians 3.6, you know, it talks about Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So that's the first step is to become a child of God. And and, and that just means to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he's already paid for your sins and my sins. And once we receive him, now we have the privilege of following the Holy Spirit's leading. Lieutenant uh, Haru Onada was in the Japanese uh, Japanese Army in World War II. He was an intelligence officer and he was commissioned to one of the Philippine Islands. So he went there, and, and he, was, he was told by his commanding officer, do not surrender no matter what. Don't surrender. So he went there, and it was not long before um, Allied forces came in and took over the, took over the island. And, um, and so he, he and a few others uh, took off, and they fled to the, the densely forested hills of, of, of this particular island. And they kept fighting among Filipinos, uh, you know, in the area where, where, where they were. And, and this went on for years. Even though the war was over, eventually, it was over in 1945. They, this went on for years. And in 1950, um, one of his companions surrendered. Uh, 1972, all these years, they've just continued to fight. 1972, two more of his companions surrendered. Now he's all by himself. All these years have gone by. He still thinks they're in a war. So what Japan did, Japan started trying to, to, to send uh, teams over there to retrieve him. To, to, uh, they, sent these, they would fly over and drop these little leaflets out in the jungle to say, the war's over. They were just trying to get him to surrender. But remember, he had been commanded not to surrender. So he was following his orders. Finally, in March, and he thought it was trickery. No, they're trying to trick me. This war's not really over. I'm still fighting. Finally, in March 1974, nearly 30 years after the war had ended, Japan sent his commanding officer. He was still alive. They sent that officer to this island and told him the war is over. And he finally surrendered. Now, he lived nearly 30 years of his life still thinking that there was a war. And my friend, if you are a child of God, the war is over. Jesus has already paid for your sins. If you've not trusted him, the war is over. Place your faith in him today. He has already paid for all of your sins. And as a child of God, we have the joy of knowing that war is already over. And because that war is over, the flesh does not have dominion over me. The Holy Spirit does. So be encouraged this new week as you go home today and uh, as you live for Jesus this week. Let the Holy Spirit be in charge of your life. Submit to him. And follow him and walk in victory. Would you bow your heads with me?